Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great seeing everybody today, this wonderful summer Sunday. I'd like to welcome everybody in Crookston. Thank you for joining us today, and then all of our online family. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Great seeing everybody today. A number of years ago, actually it was the very beginning of Freedom Church, we did something that I always enjoy, and we launched a softball team, right? New church has got to have a softball team. And those first few years, they allowed me to play on the team, which was fun. Uh, and anyway, we played against other churches, businesses, bars, all kinds of individuals. I think every year since we've had that team, and one of the teams is a great church, uh, in town is Hope Church, and so anyway, uh, we have worked out a game today, and it's called Battle for the Bulldog, okay? There's a very ugly trophy. Uh, <laughs> it has a head of a bulldog on it, and anyway, and so you guys are welcome to join us this afternoon. I think the coach said he'd let the old guy swing a couple times, so that'll be fun. Uh, concessions, there was going to be some activities for kids. Uh, bring a chair if you could. I'm not sure there'll be enough uh, grandstands uh, there, but anyway, just, just to invite you, 2 o'clock, Euland Park Softball Complex, South Grand Forks. We're going through a series of sermons entitled, Walk It Out. I talked about this last week. One of the things, I, it's a, from Ephesians 4 and 5, one of the things I enjoy so much about this passage of scripture is because it is so amazingly practical. It is so pertinent to where we live. And so as you read it, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like, what does this mean? I mean, it just says it exactly what it means, and then we're supposed to like put it into practice, and that works really well for me. We've talked about all different things. Today, we're going to be talking about our words, our words. Our words are incredibly powerful, aren't they? And how we use them. Ephesians 4.29, the verse for today, one verse, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And really, in order to understand this verse, we need to break it down, and so this verse naturally break, breaks down into four different phrases, and we're going to take a look just at each of those phrases. Number one, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The word unwholesome, as used in the original language in the Greek, has two meanings. Number one, it means rotten. Rotten. Let no rotten words proceed from your mouth. Putrid, filthy, rancid words. It literally speaks, as you study it, it means like, it, it speaks of rotten fruit. A couple of weeks ago, Mary went and bought this bag of incredible pears. We went out, stuck it in a cool, dry, dark place, came, went, took a little bit of vacation, came home from vacation, and she said, honey, look at this. And I opened it, and I'm telling you, it was bad, right? I mean, it was just rotten mush, what had happened over those couple of weeks. The only thing that's worse than rotten fruit is what? It's rotten fish. And what's really interesting is that Jesus, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 13, 48, the word unwholesome is used in Ephesians 4, 29. Jesus uses that same exact word in reference to fish. And so that's the power of this word. Uh, let no stinking, fishy, gross, 
putrid, rancid, spoiled words come out of your mouth. Don't allow it to come out of your mouth. Okay? What are rotten words? Swearing, off-color jokes and stories, gossip, complaining, arguing, critical, judgmental words. Those are rotten words. Those are, there's no life in those words. So don't allow those words to come from your mouth. Rotten. The second word that their meaning it has is the word useless. It means rotten and useless. Useless, worthless, valueless. Those are the words that, that, give, that are spoken, but when it comes to the conversation, they give absolutely no value to the discussion of the conversation. They are useless, worthless. They can even be words that are harmful or detrimental to the others. And so we need to be thoughtful and careful about the words that we use. Proverbs 10, 19, in the CEV version, I love this. It says, you will say the wrong thing if you talk too much, right? You will say the wrong thing if you talk too much. So be sensible and watch what you say. Elbow, 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 right? <laughs> I think it's another version that says, in the, in the abundance of words, there is like much sin or something like that. I love that. You will say the wrong thing if you talk too much. So be sensible, watch what you say. Our words are so powerful. James 3, 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. We're all, and I would love, we could do the, a whole summer series on our mouth and our tongue just from the book of James as he talks about those verses, but we're not gonna obviously do that. We're all broken and imperfect people, and yet it says the person who's able to control their words is a perfect person. Perfect in this sense, in this sense doesn't mean like without error, without mistake, without fault. It means they are a mature person. If we can control that little flapper right there, that means it says that we can control every other part of our body. The most difficult thing that we have in our body to control is that thing. And if we can control our words, our tongue, we can control everything else. And our words are a reflection of something much deeper, aren't they? It's not just a tongue problem. What is it? It's a heart problem. It's a reflection of our heart. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Our mouth speaks because of what's in our heart. When you talk, what you're revealing, you're, what you're saying is, this is really my heart. I'm gonna give you a picture of what's in my heart and the picture of what's in my heart will be seen in the words that I say and how I speak them. I don't like that, Right? And so, so if, if we had tend to be critical or judgmental or whatever it may be, that's going to come out, but that's simply a reflection of, of what's in our heart. And so what we need to do is pray, God, change my heart, Lord, knowing that my words will follow the suit, will follow the suit, but God, first, begin with me. And to be honest, you can't, you can't, James says it's the most difficult thing to control, you can't determine it. You can't purpose your tongue into submission. It really is, it's family say, Holy Spirit, would you just help? I need a little bit of help here with my mouth and my words. Could you help me? And God will do that. Let no unwholesome, rotten, putrid, rancid, useless, worthless words proceed from our mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. The second phrase, only speak words that are good for edification. The word edify means to build up to encourage, to strengthen. So our words, God 
desires, our words, that when we speak them, they would build up. They would encourage, edify, and strengthen. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. What a great verse. Life, excuse me, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words have the power to kill, maim, wound, erode, tear down, and discourage, or they have the power to heal, edify, encourage, strengthen, and build up. And I know what I want my words to be, to do that. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Only such a word is a, that's good for edification. Number three, it says, according to the need of the moment. This, guys, this may be the greatest verse in all of Scripture. This, this phrase may have the power to change relationships like nothing else. Don't let any putrid, rancid, useless, worthless words proceed from your mouth. Stop it, okay, stop it. Don't do that anymore. But only such a word that, that edifies and builds up according to the need of the moment. What me, which that means is we gotta say, what's the need of the moment? What's the need of this moment? Because for us, we can go like, we get into a conversation and we are just snared. We are just snared into this trap. We're just pulled into it. And so if there's somebody speaks critical words to us, we return spirit for spirit, dagger for dagger, sword for sword. We get lured into this. A little bit of an apology today, maybe just to say of the immaturity of your pastor, but yesterday Mary and I were driving down Washington and I have an older SUV and there was a, a young man and a souped-up, newer Mustang sitting at the light. And I pulled alongside of him. I said, Mary, I'm gonna race this guy. <laughs> and she says, no, honey, don't, 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 don't race him. That's embarrassing. I said, no, I'm gonna race this guy. And so as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as the light changes, I'm like, you know, and, and, and just take off faster than what I normally would. Okay, I have a very old SUV, okay? So I, like, I know who's gonna win this race and it's not gonna be me. It's not about who's gonna win the race. It's like, how's a young man gonna respond to an old man in gray hair with an old vehicle when he's got this brand new Mustang? That's what it's about. And all of a sudden, like, I take off, and then this guy goes, woo, just right by me. Like, yes, okay. I lured him into that, okay? Because <laughs> I know young man. I know, like, like there's not gonna let some gray-haired guy pass him when he's got this souped-up Mustang. Okay, that's a little bit what happens. And Mary's like, honey, oh, like, why do you do this? But like, that's what happens. We take the bait. Satan throws out a little bit of stuff. Like somebody lets out some words of accusation or negativity or whatever it may be, right? And like, we're not gonna allow that thing to sit. We're gonna show them that we're not gonna live like that. And so we take the bait and like we respond in criticism. We respond in anger. We respond in negativity or judgment or whatever it may be because we, we take the bait. He says, that's not what you do. Like, you gotta say, think like, what's the, what's the need of the moment? What's the need of the moment? Which means we don't just talk before we think. We think. We process what's going into our ears, and then as we do so, we like, okay. Like, what's the need of the moment? A couple, it was been a number of years ago, we had a marriage and family therapist uh, out of Texas that did a weekend marriage seminar for us here at Freedom Church. 
and it was awesome. One of the things he talked about in that seminar was this very verse, and I, I just, it, was, it was very impacting for me. I'll, I'll always remember it. And he said this, there are 12 basic needs that we have. 12 basic needs. Those needs are acceptance, admonition, affection, appreciation, approval, attention, comfort, encouragement, instruction, respect, security, and support. And I know there are probably others as well. But he said those are basic, those are the 12 basic needs that, that, that people, human beings have. And so when we're in a conversation with somebody, we think as they're talking, what's the need of the moment? What's the need of the moment? Rather than just reacting and responding, like what's the need of the moment? Maybe the need of the moment is simply for attention. We're gonna give them 100% of ourselves for this moment, and we're just going to listen. Wow, man, that's tough. I can't believe, man, it's so amazing, like, like how strong you're doing in the middle of such a difficult situation, wow. Maybe it's just merely attention. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe they've struggled with a lot of feelings of rejection. So by you just taking time, maybe it's not about instruction or teaching. Maybe it's just simply this whole thing of acceptance. Or maybe it's respect. Or we could go through all of these different things. Proverbs 15, 23 says, giving the right answer at the right time makes everybody happy. Isn't that awesome? Giving, Proverbs 20, 15, 23, this is in the uh, contemporary English version. Giving the right answer at the right time makes everyone happy. I feel good because I just encouraged that person or they just encouraged me and they feel good because they did encourage me. And I, I, this is just a little, little sidelight on this thing. I have discovered that rarely is the need for instruction. In relationships, rarely is the need for instruction. So I remember when our oldest son, your guys' dad, I remember playing, when he was playing basketball early on, and I was like, he had lots of energy and uh, lots of drive. And so I said, this is, you know, Stephen, this is, this is, basketball is a pretty simple game. You gotta have possession of the ball. If you don't have the ball, you're probably not gonna win a lot. So you gotta get, so whenever the ball goes up for rebound, get the ball. And for the first few games, I paid him. 10 cents per rebound, okay? <laughs> I said, just get the ball. That's and, and I said, if everybody's playing at this level, to be an impact player, you have to play at this level. And so you don't just match the effort, but you've got to play at a different level if you want to be an impact, impact player. And so after one game, and he was, he was young, it was maybe sixth grade, and I learned really quick. I learned really quick. But he came home after the game, and we were talking about the game, and I said, Stephen, that was great, but let me share a bunch of, so I started talking about all these things that like he could have done better and all the places he could have been and how he could have boxed it. And finally, which I'm a little embarrassed to say, finally he said, Dad, tearing up, he says, Dad, I'm really doing the best I can. Like, ugh. I thought the need of the moment was instruction. The need of the moment wasn't instruction. The need of the moment was encouragement. Rarely is the need of the moment instruction. In fact, I have incredible, like a, a credible study on Proverbs 31 on the characteristics of a godly woman. And when I take my laptop home, break out a projector that I've brought from the church, 
and, and, and project the screen on our living room wall and says, Mary, would you please come here? I've got a study I'd like us to go through. She's always busy. Because in marriage, rarely is the need of the moment instruction. Rarely is the need. Let me tell you what you should do. But oftentimes for men, the need of the moment is just simply to feel respected. For women, the need of the moment is just, I need to feel your affection. That in spite of where I'm at, I just need to feel that, that, that affection. And so rather than speaking immediately what comes out of our mouths, we say, God, give me discernment. It was just a, a couple of weeks ago, Mary and I were visiting just on a little, out, a, a little patio area that we have outside of our home. And she said, what's going on? I said, well, nothing really. Which, which means, tell me more, right? And uh, she said, no, I can tell you seem a little stressed. And I said, well, yeah, I'm feeling a little stressed today. Uh, she said, well, why? And I said, well, because I've got, I've got you know, some short days or some long days and I'm trying to get these things done. I'm not sure. And, and so the need of the moment at that moment was just attention being listened to. And so she listened and then she said, well, Okay, would you mind if I called this person? And it wasn't a difficult conversation. It was more so just one that was gonna take a lot of some organization of, of getting some things in place in, in a specific area. And she said, if it's be okay, if you, I'll call this person. I can take care of that. And I said, that'd be great. And the need of the moment was support. And I left thinking like, wow, I feel much lighter because there was an attention, like listening and then support. Like, like what's, thank you, dear. So like, what's the need of the moment? What's the need? When, when your wife's going through a difficult time, most likely, for us, it's like, well, just do this. A plus B equals C, so if you do this, it's fine. Let's watch the game. You know, uh, it's like, what's the need of the moment? Wives, what's the need of the moment? What's, what is it that your husband needs? You may think, like, this is what I need, but like, what's, what's that need that, that he needs? Or what's our child's needs? Or when we're sitting with somebody in, you know, across for a cup of coffee, like, what's the need of the moment? I love that. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification, for the need, according to the need of the moment. And then number four, so that it gives grace to those who hear. So that will give grace to those who hear. And I'm like, wow. Like, grace. What's grace? Grace is the bedrock of Christianity, right? Apart from grace, you and I aren't here. Grace is when you get something that you have not deserved. The greatest symbol of grace is that is, that is the cross. When he, Christ, died for our sin, of which we did not earn it or deserve it. Grace, grace, grace. It's when you give someone something that they've not earned or deserve. They don't earn it. They don't deserve it. In fact, they may deserve something much different, but instead of that, what you do is you give them grace. You give them kindness. You give them something that they've not earned or deserve. That's powerful. So don't let any rancid, rotten words proceed from your mouth. Only a word that builds up for according to whatever the need of the moment is, so that it gives grace, so that you give someone something they don't deserve. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. That's grace. If they earned it and deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. 
so that it gives grace to those who hear. And grace is this natural thing. Let me say this. It's, it's naturally unnatural. It's something that we can chafe against in our human nature because for us, it's like, you, you do kind to me, I'll be kind to you. You scratch my back, I'm gonna scratch your back, okay? And, 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 and if you do me harm, back off because you're gonna feel the, ra- the wrath of, of, of whatever it may be. Like, if you're not kind to me, then don't expect kindness from me. That's not going to happen. But think about it. Think it was grace that radically changed all of our lives through the person of Jesus Christ. It was grace that caused God's son, God to send his son to die on behalf of our sins. It was grace that, God, that caused Jesus Christ to bear the punishment for our sins. And, and I didn't earn it, none of us deserved it, but it was grace and it changed my life. In fact, just a few chapters later, it's on the same page. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. I mean, that, the power of grace is just amazing. It's incredible. The life of Christ was marked by grace. One of the most distinguishing characteristics of our faith of Christianity is this thing of grace, and it's that thing of grace that sets Christianity apart from all of the religions, that we get what we don't deserve. We get what we've never earned. That's grace. And now what he says in his word, what I want you to do, I want you to take that same grace that you've received and I want you to give it out. I want you to be a distributor of my grace. And I believe this, that, that, that grace is never more clearly seen than in our words. Colossians 4, 6, written by Paul, let your speech Always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond to each person. How many of you guys, how many, any, you like salt? Always putting on salt or pepper or something, yeah. Yeah, why do you put on salt? Because it tastes better. It enhances, it enhances the flavor. So he says, in conversations, he said, our words need to be seasoned with salt, these words are grace because it's going to enhance, the, it's going to enhance the discussion. It's going to ha- enhance the relationship. That's the power of grace-filled words. That's the power of it. And I don't know about you, but I love being a recipient of grace. Mary and I went out for lunch, it wasn't too long ago, we sat down at this restaurant, and at the very end, the waitress, whom we knew, uh, brought out this plate that, that was like this big after we were done and, and written in raspberry tasty something or another, just said thank you or something with this piece of like chocolate brownie lava stuff with ice cream and, and just like, like whipped cream coming out of the top and so like, wow, right? And like I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve it. I didn't even ask for it. But this waitress said, I'd like, to, I'd like to give to you and your wife something today. And so this is for you. It's on the house. That was, a, that was an extension of grace. And I like being the recipient of people's grace. Anybody else? How many like getting something that you've not earned or deserved? We all do. I mean, like, I'm in. Sign me up. How do I sign up for grace? 
I love being the recipient of grace. And in chocolate, brownie, lava, cake stuff. Well, anyway. But, but in that, because it's so amazing. But think about the people around us. Everybody's just like you and I. People, I don't know who they are. I don't know them by name. I don't know where they come from, but I do know this about them. I do know that every person, I believe every person that you will run in contact today, they love being a recipient of grace. They are hungry, they are thirsty for it. And so if you will just, and I, if we'll just say, you know what, I wanna be a minister of that grace. I don't care if I know them. I don't care if they're the crabbiest waiter I've ever had. I, you know, I just, I want to just extend to them just some grace today and just speaking into their hearts and into their lives. And it's because, because we have received so much. We've received so much. And I think about that. I just brought this old canner from home, Mary's canner. When we used to do applesauce. This is a little bit of a, this is a little picture of our life. And God says, I love you. And it fills it with grace. I forgive you of your sin. Fills us with grace. I'm not gonna hold all the stuff you've done, all the stuff that you've done against you, the, the sin, the wrongdoing, the rebellion, those, those words that you spoke. And I'm gonna forgive you of those things. And he fills us with grace. And really, our heart is brimming. It's just brimming with such incredible reservoir of God's grace, all that he's given to us. And now what he says, now I want you to go to be a minister of what you have received. And so don't take out the medicine dropper in your marriage or in your, within your family and like, okay, that's good for you. That'll be enough for you. I think we'll give you just a little bit here, okay? Because you haven't quite earned it yet. You work for it. I'll give you a little, because it's not grace. Then. And so it's just, it's all about giving what people don't earn or deserve. But rather in relationship, we say this, you know what? I call it ladles of grace. That when we come, because of all that we've received in relationship through Jesus Christ, we say, you know what? you need some and you need some and you need some and in the marriage you need some grace and we go to work and like yeah this is not a real grace filled area well I'm going to change all that and so you're going to receive some grace I'm because God has given me so much and so I'm going to be an effective I'm giving out ladles of grace like let's just keep let's pour it out right ladles of grace because of all that Christ has done for us so don't let any rancid, putrid words proceed from your mouth, only such a word that, 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 that edifies and builds up what, for, according to whatever the need of the moment is so that people can experience the grace of God. I love that. I love that. And I don't know where you're at today. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know your tongue. I know my tongue. And I say, God, I, I could use some of that. Holy Spirit, I need some help in that area, to, Lord, that you would help me in that area. And there may just be a couple other people here today that would say, God, I want you to help me with that. All of us, we're a new, we're a new creature, creature, creation in Christ. And I just, I'm asking myself today, as I've asked myself this week, is do my words reflect that nature, that new nature? What is the nature they reflect? 
Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads if Josiah and the band want to come today, please. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you are so good to us today. You are so good to us in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your goodness to us today and your blessing and your mercy, O oh God. Lord, we realize that our words are so powerful. Father, we ask that you'd help us today. Father, that you would enable us to do just that today, to guard our words. Lord, that our words, Lord, you'd change our heart so in turn, oh God, our mouth, our tongue would follow suit and bring about such an amazing, amazing, Lord, just change, God, with wherever we're at, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.